Hey everybody, it is me, your host Lexi. Um, so today I I'm gonna talk about um healthy communication um and what that looks like and what it feels like, especially as someone who has never really had that sort of st- stability and stable, healthy relationships in their life. Um, and just to preface this. So I do apologize in advance. Um, you know, I finally have the motivation to record. And of course, this is the day that my landlord decides to do work on the apartment upstairs. So you're, I'm sure you're going to hear some banging and pounding and noise. But I have decided that I'm going to continue recording this episode anyway, because I need to take advantage of the motivation while I have it, um, especially since it's so fleeting recently. Especially since it's so fleeting recently for me. Um, So I've gotten on this show a few times in the past and talked about, you know, some of the fights, quote unquote, that Alex and I have, some disagreements, some arguments, and kind of talked through, um, you know, what happened, what I was thinking, what I was feeling, and how I was processing through it. And, you know, I think it's probably worth it to make like a mini series on this because, um, We are two people who have struggled with communication our entire lives. Um, And while communication is super important for me, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm good at it. It just means that it's vital for me to feel safe in a relationship or in any given environment. Um, So yes, healthy communication and and communication is important to me, but I've like struggled with it my entire life. Um, while recently and in, in the past few years or so, you know, I've gotten much better at it. It's still a muscle that I am training. It is still a skill that I am growing um, every single day because. I'm taking the time to unlearn all of the negative things that I internalized growing up. Um, And I'm learning how to navigate my own relationships now as an adult. Um, So, I mean, I've I've stated this before um, in previous episodes, but again, I don't expect everyone to have listened to all of them. So I'm going to repeat a little bit of it. Um, But, you know, growing up, my family was a yelling family. There were no conversations. There was no, like, talking about our feelings. Um, I remember every single time I got in trouble, I would sob hysterically. Because, like, me getting in trouble, like, like I was a good kid. I was a goody two-shoes. I did all my homework. I didn't drink or do any drugs until I got to college. Um, you know, I was always the good kid, but I would still always get in trouble. Um, and a lot of this stuff was just for, you know, speaking my mind. Um, there were a few instances where like I did things that I definitely deserve to be in trouble for. Um, although (laughs) now that I'm saying that, you know, talking to an older man on the internet as like a teenager, as a young teenager, um, the way my mother handled it, wasn't great. Um, and you know, I should get in trouble for something like that, but it should also be like, uh, Oh, why is this behavior happening? Like, let's get into it. Um, and that's the thing that was always missing growing up. There was never a, I wonder where this behavior is coming from. It was just a, we don't like this behavior. We're going to punish you for it. Um, and so, you know, I remember like if I would get in a fight with my mom or, um, you know, I would, I would end up sobbing so loud, like these guttural sobs. And it felt somewhat theatrical and like I was being dramatic. And at the time, like if anybody on the outside was looking, they'd be like, yeah, you just want attention. But the more that I thought about it and the more that I've reflected on it, I wasn't being heard in these situations. And I just so desperately wanted to be heard. And um, 
I just so desperately wanted to be heard and understood and like respected for having those feelings. But instead, my entire childhood, if I had any sort of emotion, especially a negative quote unquote emotion, anger, sadness, rage, like whatever, if I wasn't happy and calm and thrilled, then it was bad and I would get in trouble for it. Um, so like I would sob hysterically and it was loud. And yes, it's because I did want attention, but not because it was like, oh, you need to pay attention to me. It was because, oh, I'm not actually being listened to and nobody is actually caring what I have to say or what I'm going through. Um, and you know, I still end up having these crying fits like that sometimes. And I've noticed that that type of guttural sobbing really happens when I'm not communicating well. If Alex and I get in like a little argument and he goes somewhere or like he has something to do and I'm alone, I will start sobbing the way that I did when I was a kid. And that's been a big source of uh, reflection for me. Like, why am I reacting the same way that I did when I would get in trouble as a teenager? And it's for the same reasons, because I am not communicating properly. I am not expressing myself the way that I want to, and I'm not being heard, and I'm being misunderstood, or, you know, things aren't happening the way that I would like them to. So there's that. On Alex's end, he is, um, you know, not that, he, he's not that talkative. He never has been. Um, and we're very opposite in that way. Like, I love to talk about my day. I love to talk about what happened. I love to talk about what I'm feeling. And I love to talk about what I'm thinking about. And I love to talk about what's happening in the future. Um, and Alex could go, like, an entire day without speaking. Um, I mean, I also have my days where I can go an entire day without speaking, but when it comes to relationships, like we, I have to talk to the people that I care about or it doesn't, it's not right for me. Like it doesn't do the, it doesn't, it doesn't meet my needs. It doesn't work for me. Um, and so, you know, Alex has never really been open about his emotions. He's always had a hard time explaining how he feels. He always has had a hard time talking about his feelings. And it's something that he never really did. And, you know, I could say this is because he's a man and because he, um, you know, guys aren't in touch with their feelings. But we all know I don't buy into the gender binary. We all know I don't buy into this gender essentialism. If you're a man, this is what you are. If you're a woman, this is what you are. But the way that Alex was socialized, as a man, definitely plays into that. His father is also Ecuadorian, so he's Latino. And if you know um, anything about Latino cultures or Hispanic cultures, um, there's the concept of machismo. So, you know, like, uh, and again, I'm a white person. I don't really fully know the cultural context of this. But if you look up what machismo is um, on or on the dictionary, it's a strong or aggressive masculine pride. And so like the, like machismo behavior encompasses all of the positive and ne negative aspects of masculinity, bravery, honor, dominance, aggression, sexism, sexual prowess, and reserved emotions. So, you know, his dad is from Ecuador. Um, and so the first experience he has with any other male, his dad also someone who probably doesn't talk about his feelings all that much. Um, and so this has been like a big point of contention in our relationship. Every fight we have ended up having, and we don't have many, um, is about communication. And they're really hard conversations to have because we're learning in the moment. and. You know, we both have a lot of our own trauma that we're coming to the plate with. And a lot of my reasons for wanting to communicate and needing to communicate come from my trauma, right? From not being in safe environments, from not, or from being in environments where people were not straightforward with me or were lying to me or were, you know, hurting me. And 
Um, so, you know, there's a lot of... So our fights, you know, end up being um, about him not communicating with me. And because, like I said, in previous situations, you know, I wasn't getting all of the information that I needed to keep myself safe. So I think that is a part of why I need this over-communication to feel safe. I need to know what you're thinking. I need to know what you're feeling. I need to make sure you're not mad at me. I need to make sure you're not harboring any bad feelings towards me because growing up my entire life, um, you know, my mom would hold things against me and then she'd throw them in my face later. Oh, well, you didn't do this. And like, you know, she'd get mad at me and then she'd throw all these things that she'd been holding under the surface into my face. And so I'm like constantly worried that that is going to happen with other people, that they're just like collecting these grievances um, so that they can come and attack me and, 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 you know, get all up in my face. And that's not how Alex is. No matter how many times he tells me this, I can't accept that. And that's because, you know, I have so much data from other people to the contrary. Even though I've been with Alex for seven years and he has never held anything like that over my head, there's still the worry there. Um, and so, you know, I do over-communicate. And so what ends up happening is we go through this cycle where, like, I end up like I'm an over communicator. And then when I do get um, in a space where I am not my best self and I am struggling, Um, yeah, so, you know, it ends up being like, I'll communicate really well. And then I start to struggle. And then my communication is not as great. When I am struggling, I tend to self isolate, I tend to draw inward, Um, I'm not communicating as frequently. And then that causes me to struggle more, because I'm not expressing my feelings, I am not um, processing things. And so, you know, part of me needs a partner that will initiate that and that will try to get me talking and that he will start talking or they will start talking so that I can feel safe to start doing that because it's also a part of me that feels like a burden for wanting to talk and this comes from a lifetime of trauma and past relationships where we didn't talk about our feelings and anytime you know I did want to talk about my feelings I was seen as a drama queen or dramatic or trying to start problems or why can't you let this go? And, you know, trying to process things was seen as a negative thing. So I just shut down. And even though that's what I really want, I I, I can't, I can't do it. And then it, it gets to this boiling point where I can't hold it in anymore. Um, and I get so overstimulated by something that I explode and I word vomit and I do what my mom did and I bring up every little thing that's been bothering me and I hate that I do that but it is a part of this cycle that I am trying to unlearn and so what ends up happening is you know Alex and I don't communicate and then we're not not on the same page and then I get frustrated and overstimulated and I explode at him and I do kind of yell and um, I raised my voice and it's a really ugly side of me and I don't like it. But Alex also knows that this is not the real me, that this is the overstimulated me and has learned to not take it as personally. You know, way back when, when we started dating, um, he did and he would internalize it and he would be like, I am the worst boyfriend ever. Like I, you deserve so much better than me and, and I'm the worst. And you know, that kind of response is not really helpful for me. Um, because it's very similar to how my mom would, um, react to things. Everything would turn into 
the pity party for her and she would, um, you know, reverse the situation. So I, I was upset initially, but now because I'm upset, now she's upset and all the attention has to go on her. And so Alex used to do that. And I would, and over time I've explained to him, I'm like, that's not helpful for me. If anything, that's more triggering and it pisses me off more. Um, and you know, I have learned to recognize when I'm in this space and, you know, at first I won't recognize it. And, but while we're talking, I'll be like, okay, I know I'm overstimulated and I'm sorry that all of this came out like this. I didn't mean to explode on you. I'm still not really good at catching it before it happens. But the the process of it is not as difficult. We're able to bounce back faster. We're able to, um, you know, calm down faster. And by we, I'm talking about myself and my parts, but also myself and Alex. Um, and, you know, this used to be like it would take us days where, like, we would kind of not really talk to each other and um, only talk about what we had to before we were able to talk about things. And now it's... It's a matter of like half an hour or hours before that happens. Um, and, you know, so on my side, it's recognizing that I go through these cycles and trying to figure out what the triggers are and, you know, what the warning signs are that I'm getting there to catch it before it happens. And on Alex's end of it, you know, he has to learn not to internalize it. Like, yes, I'm overwhelmed and I'm overstimulated and there's all of these things that I'm upset about, but that does not mean it is his responsibility to change or fix all of these things. Really what I need from him is for him to listen and for him to validate me (laughs) and acknowledge my feelings and acknowledge that like, yes, that makes sense that you're feeling that way. Of course you would feel that way. Like, I can see why this happened, why you feel like this. Um, and on his end too, he also needs to learn how to communicate more consistently and more regularly. Um, and one thing that's really hard about this, and I'm gonna, uh, quote my friend Sam. So she's also in therapy right now, um, and has been for a while, but she, her therapist is not there to stroke her ego. Um, which is, you know, a sign of a good therapist. But she was like, she told me, <laughs> she's like, I, I, um, she said something you will fucking hate. And I just said, no. <laughs> she was like, well, I was like, ugh, gross, no. But then I was like, okay, please tell me. So she asked her therapist about how to combat the quote, I always do this, you never do X, Y, Z, end quote, because that's the basis of a lot of their fights. And she, and she, her therapist was like, so you guys get so hung up on being the only one that does certain things and you let it sabotage how you feel about somebody instead of recognizing that as a personal strength of ours and a weakness of theirs. Like we can communicate. I would appreciate if you did this more, but it may just be a flaw that the other person has. So what, what she was meaning by this is like, you know, we get so hung up on, you know, I'm the only one that initiates this conversation. Like, you never want to initiate conversations and it pisses me off. And so, like, in that moment, it is changing the way that I view this person. It is sabotaging how I feel about this person. And it is putting, you know, um, and it's conflating their behaviors and who they are. But this might just be a strength that I have, something that a skill that I am a little bit better at than Alex's. And you know what? It might be a skill that I am always better at than Alex. And I think that that is just going to be the case because um, of how we have always been. I have always been a more bubbly, more vivacious, more talkative person. Alex is more your stereotypical introvert. And like, yes, while I am also an introvert, you know, I've always been like, oh, I'm an ambivert. Like I'm extroverted when I'm around friends and I'm introverted when I'm not around other people. Alex is kind of always introverted, even when he's with his friends. Um, And so, you know, it's, It's silly for me to think that he's going to completely be able to change an aspect of his personality 
um, just because it's easier for me if he also communicates. And so like, while yes, Alex needs to learn how to communicate more and how to talk about his feelings more, I need to learn to accept that that might just be something we always struggle with as a couple. Alex is going to be the one who has a hard time opening up, who has a hard time initiating conversations, who has a hard time talking about his feelings. I may always have to be the one to initiate it. And, you know, I may have to accept that we will go through this cycle indefinitely because it's not always at the forefront of his mind to be like, hey, I want to communicate. Um, hey, I should talk to you about this. Like, I, And I've mentioned this before that we've had fights where it's been like, you know, I always ask you about how your day is. And so when I'm doing things for you, that means it's something I would like you to do for me as well. Um, and that's okay. If that's something that we have to do forever, that's okay. Because it's also like, I know Alex is trying. I know it's not a situation where um, I am going to, you know, I am, And because, you know, the thing is, is I know Alex is trying. Like, it's not like he's just saying these platitudes and saying, oh, yeah, I'll get better. I'll try to do this more. I'm going to try to be more conscious of this and try to communicate it. He is actually trying. Alex is going to therapy. And right now he's going more frequently than I am just because he has a little bit more money and a little bit more time in his schedule. Um, So I know that he is working on this. We also talk to each other about it. Like we are trying to help each other be the best versions of ourselves and be as successful as we can. It's not like previous relationship I've had where, you know, someone would say like, oh yeah, like we'd get in a fight and they'd say, I'll be better about this. And then we'd have the same fight and the same shit would be happening. While yes, Alex and I still have these same arguments and the same stuff is happening. It's not for a lack of trying. Alex is trying and it's just something that I have to realize that may be something about himself that he can't fully change. And I might have to be okay with being the one to most of the time initiate conversation or initiate, you know, what we're talking about. Um, you know, most recently, um, and so this is trigger warning, um, for childhood sexual assault, um, and grooming. So I am still friends with my rapist's ex-wife on Facebook. Um, she was one of the people that helped to put him in prison um, because she testified at my trial. Her husband also testified at my trial. And her son, her eldest son, who was my boyfriend during a lot of this, also testified at my trial. So, you know, they're important people to me. They helped to... They helped to hold this man accountable for what he did to me. Um, and so I'm still friends with them on Facebook. You know, I probably could uh, delete her, but it's nice to see them. And I still care about, you know, Teddy, who is my ex. And I'm, I'm not friends with him anywhere. Um, but, you know, I like to, to observe from afar and just see that they're okay. And um, her youngest son got married recently. And this was a, uh, he didn't believe me throughout the trial. He thought I was a liar and he thought that I, um, you know, was just targeting his father, um, and sent him to prison for no reason. So I've always, and you know, when my mom and, um, his dad were dating, you know, he was the one that I would get in fights with most of the time. We were the closest in age. Um, and 
you know, I just always didn't really get along with him too well. But he just got married recently. Ted, my abuser, my rapist, has been out of prison for um, a few years now. And he is allowed to live his life. And, you know, I am not supposed to have any contact with him. He's not supposed to have any contact with me. We don't. I haven't spoken to him ever since uh, before I accused him of raping me uh, for years. And so I don't interact with him. But with his son getting married and him being out of prison, he was obviously there. And I didn't think about that. Um. And I kind of absentmindedly just went and clicked on the photos because I was like, oh, you know, I want to see, um, and I'm going to give her a different name just because I don't, I don't want to, uh, pull her into this, but you know, Amy, I want to see Amy being happy. I want to see her, her grandkids that grew up, you know, I want to see Teddy and his kids that he has. Um, I still do hold a really soft spot in my heart for a lot of them. and. While I was scrolling through these pictures, <laughs> I saw a photo of Ted and his sister. And they're both smiling and happy. And it was just so triggering for me. <laughs> like, it's it was just so hard to see a photo of him out living his life being happy because it doesn't feel fair. It doesn't feel like he should be allowed to do that. He ruined my life. <laughs> I have such severe PTSD that I have been in survival mode for years. He ruined my life. And then to see him unabashedly having fun and smiling and, and living his life is just so incredibly unfair. And it hurts so much. <laughs> So I had like a little meltdown at work after I saw this and I told Alex and I was like, it's, it hurts a lot. Like, I'm really upset. And then that evening after I got home, Alex didn't say a single thing to me. Didn't ask how I was doing. Didn't see if I wanted to talk. Didn't check in. And I understand why. Because he doesn't want to trigger me. He doesn't want to upset me. And we've had this conversation before where I'm like, okay, I understand that you don't want to upset me and I understand that you don't want to hurt me. But I would rather have some unpleasant feelings and communicate than be happy or whatever or and not communicate and like not have you bring it up and he's like no no I understand he's like it's just it's so hard and like that's something too is I have to realize that sometimes when he doesn't reach out or doesn't initiate contact or conversation about something it's not that he's not thinking about it. It's that he is actually thinking about it and doesn't want to hurt me any more than I already have that. And I have to remember that too. He is navigating a lot as well. Um, it can be like a minefield when you're with somebody who has PTSD. Um, just because you don't always know what's going to be triggering and what's going to be upsetting, and how to navigate things. And that's kind of where Alex is. And, you know, part of me f expects him to be able to figure it out, which is so unrealistic and so far-fetched. And I know that. I know that he's not a mind reader. But there is a part of me that's like, but no, you know that, that I was upset, so you should know that I want to talk about it. And even if he does know that, he may be afraid to. He doesn't want to hurt me. He doesn't want to make me upset. And so he will not talk about something because he doesn't want to upset me. And so that's something that he has to learn too. That, <laughs> yes, it might upset me. Yes, it might trigger me. But I would rather be triggered and have a communication and have a conversation about it than just, just brush it under the rug and pretend it never happened. So... You know, that is one instance where 
Um, you know, that is one instance where he ends up not communicating with me, but he is thinking about it and he is aware of it. And so, you know, that was one instance. Um, another thing recently, and this is, you know, the trigger for the most recent fight that we had. Um, we, I really love this one dish that Alex um, made with his dad. Um, so Francesca y Tostones. Um, so Tostones are uh, fried green plantains. Um, and then Tresca is like the really nice, fancy part of a yellow fin tuna. It's like the belly, I believe. Um, so it's like just this high end canned tuna, basically. And I don't like canned tuna, like, um, you know, Siemens or whatever. I don't know what the brand is, but like just generic, like water, white fin tuna that comes in a can. It smells fishy. It smells like cat food. I don't like it. This stuff still smells a little fishy, but it's like, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And so, like, you can't find Ventresca around here. And if you do, it's really fucking expensive. Um, and it's not as good. And so whenever Alex's dad goes to Ecuador, he brings us back Ventresca. And I'm like, fuck yes. And so he brought us, like, a lot of cans of it last time he came home from Ecuador. And uh, Tostones y Ventresca is just, like, a really labor-intensive and messy um, thing. We have to... Uh, fry plantains twice. We need a lot of oil. We need multiple cutting boards. We have onions we have to cut. And then there's rice as well. And it's just like, it's a lot. Alex and I also struggle with cooking. Like, it's a very, like, the executive dysfunction that goes with it. Like, there's so many tasks and so many steps. And then even when you're done, you have to clean up. And it's just, so it's something we really struggle with. We've been doing a lot of microwave meals, a lot of things in cans, a lot of sandwiches. Because we just don't have the spoons and the energy to do cooking. And so, like, Alex, um, so this past weekend was Black Friday weekend. Um, I worked 12-hour shifts uh, Friday and Saturday. And it's always awful. It's super busy. It's super stressful. Um, and Alex knows this. And so he came and picked me up on Black Friday and he had plantains and rice. And I was like so excited. But then we got home and I remembered the kitchen was a disaster. And so I was like, okay, I don't really want to do this tonight just because, you know, I had worked 12 hours that day. The kitchen was a mess. Um, and so in order to even start cooking, we would have to clean up the kitchen and then we would have to go through all of this cooking and then we would need to clean it up. And that was just too much, especially because I had to be at work again at six the next day. I worked like a six to a five. I didn't take a lunch break. Um, and I was like, you know, can we do this tomorrow? Because I was exhausted. And we went and sat down. We didn't clean the kitchen. We didn't talk about a plan. We didn't talk about, hey, this is what we're going to do tomorrow. And so, um, you know, we woke up at the same time because Alex goes to work at six and I had to be at work at six. And, um, you know, I'm starting to get ready. And Alex tends to be really clingy in the morning, especially if we're both up. And I usually am too, but if I'm like, if I have plans and I have to go, I'm in like go mode. And so I didn't communicate to him that I was stressed out about the day. I just assumed he knew. And he didn't communicate to me that he had plans to clean all the dishes and, and do the dishes and clean the kitchen after work um, because he gets home before I do. And so he came and laid on top of me, like, right as I was about to get up. Like, um, it's how we cuddle. Like, we do, like, we plank on each other, usually. It's like a human-weighted blanket. And, you know, I was a little annoyed because I was like, oh, I was literally about to get up. But I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to cuddle with you. It's great. We get up, start going to do things. And I'm starting to get my day ready and, you know, get my smoothie going and my drink going and 
And Alex is like following me around the kitchen. He's clingy. He wants attention. He wants some hugs. That's fine. But it was pissing me off because I'm already pre-stressed about the day. Um, he didn't tell me his plan to do dishes. And I didn't ask if he had a plan to do dishes. And because I'm already overstimulated and overwhelmed, I went into brat mode. And I've told you guys about brat mode before where it's like, just kidding. Never mind. I will do it. I don't need your help. I don't want your help um, because it's just easier for me to do it myself. Um, and so, you know, Alex was following me around and I was like, okay, I, I love you too. But I was like, but why are you following? Like I have, I'm trying to do things. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. And he left. And so then it's like, I don't even remember what exactly it was. Um, but I snapped him and I kind of like exploded and I was like crying in the snap. And I was like, you know, I, I'm so stressed because, you know, I have to do all of this. And like, because the thing is, too, that was difficult for me. And this is something um, that I really need to work on. Is recognizing that Alex doesn't expect us to have a 50-50 split of things. He doesn't mind pulling extra weight when it comes to chores sometimes. However, when he is also depressed, he can't really manage that. It's much, 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 much more difficult for him to pull the extra weight. And um, so um, what was I saying? Okay, so blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, in my brain, I kind of am cataloging, you know, how much we're working in comparison to one another. And that's my way of gauging, like, if I should be helping out more around the house. And I hate that I do this because, like, the amount of time that we're spending at work has nothing to do with how we're doing emotionally. But for me, it's like, oh, you worked much less than me today. Like, you could have cleaned the kitchen when you got home. That was what went through my head. Like, I got home at 5.30. You got home at 1. So you had four hours in which you could have cleaned the kitchen. And in that time, he didn't really do anything. But that's his prerogative. He is allowed to not do anything. Just because he's home doesn't mean he has to be doing chores. Yes, I try to do chores before I go to work in the morning. That doesn't always happen. Alex does have a lot more time that he spends at home, but he does also tend to do a lot more cleaning than I do. So, like, me trying to keep track of, like, this is what I did versus this is what you did versus this is how much time I worked versus this is much how much time you worked. I don't like that I have these tallies going in my head, but I do recognize this comes from my childhood where my mom would keep a list of all of the things that she did for us and throw it in our faces. And so I always had to be ready with a list of things that I also did to defend myself. I don't need to have those lists going anymore. Um, but I still do like to have that for myself just so that I can make sure that it is somewhat even. We have a little thing of chores on a whiteboard where we keep track of who did it last and the date that they did it last just because we both have a hard time with our executive functioning. Um, and making sure that things are being done. And I'm talking about like cleaning out the water filter and cleaning out the humidifier and cleaning the uh, kitchen sink really deep clean, like things like that. Um, and so, you know, I do like to keep this list for that purpose so I can make sure I'm pulling my fair share of things. But then it also can kind of backfire, as you've seen, where I'm like, okay, well, I did this and this and this. So like I exploded on Alex. And I don't even remember all exactly what it was at this point. I wish I would have recorded a few days ago when it happened, but alas, here we are. Um, and so I was like, look, you know, I have to do all these dishes because you didn't do them, even though you have more time than me and you had more time in the day. And he was like, I'm so sorry. He was like, I was going to do it after work today. And I was like, okay, but you didn't tell me that. How am I supposed to know? 
He was like, yeah, I was going to tell you when I got home. And I'm like, yeah, but at that point, I've already gone to work for the day. You know I do things in the morning before work. So how was I supposed to know? So I start resenting him because he's not helping, even though it was his idea to do the Testonians y Ventresca. Um, and I was like, oh, but like, I'm expected to clean the kitchen and I'm expected to do the dishes. And he was like, no, 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 that's not the case. And so while we're fighting, you know, I am bringing up all these other things. I brought up the thing where he didn't, didn't ask if I wanted to talk and he's not. And you know, the details aren't super important, but like we ended up talking through it and apologizing to each other and, and recognizing And recognizing, you know, where we both have things to work on. And, you know, that evening, we were fine. Like, we actually, I had my friend over because he needed um, to get out of his house. There was a lot of stuff going on at his home. So he came over and, you know, I was talking to him. I was like, you know, I feel like, you know, there's so many things that I can't get done and I I feel overwhelmed with cleaning. And, and my friend was like, I'll come over and I'll help you clean and I'll help you do something. And so, you know, we were all in the kitchen and Alex and I were making the food and my friend was helping me with my plants. Um, and like when my friend went in the other room, um, I for like, or went to use the bathroom, you know, Alex and I hug and we apologize to each other and we're like, I'm so sorry. And, and then we do talk through it later. Um, And, you know, I always try to thank Alex when he shares with me and he communicates with me or when he's doing something that like, you know, I've, I've asked him to do like, thank you for letting me know that you are planning to do this. Thank you for telling me how you're feeling. Thank you for X, Y, Z. Um, and Yeah, I don't know. It also came up too because this is still, and I fucking hate that this is still such a big deal to me. But I, it's gonna be a big deal to me, and I think it always will be. And I kind of have to be okay with that. But I was like, I'm still so upset that we're not engaged, and that was part of the fight. I was like telling him, I'm like, I, because we have all of these save the dates and wedding photos from people in our life um, that have gotten married or engaged recently. They're all on our fridge. So I see them every time I go to the fridge or go in the kitchen. And part of this was like, um, this fight was like, you know, I'm so sick of seeing these, especially when you're not ever going to propose to me and you don't ever have plans for it and we're never going to get married. And because like we just went on vacation to Cancun and I was kind of expecting or hoping for not expecting that we were going to get engaged while we were there. And I'm trying to be better about, like, telling Alex when I um, am feeling upset about this so that I don't hold it in and I don't resent him. So on the plane ride home, I was like, hey, you know, I was kind of hoping that, you know, would propose to me while we were on this vacation. And he was like, oh, but that's a lot of money, like, for that and a vacation. So then I internalized that and I'm like, oh, so I'm not worth it that's a lot of money but like you know you can spend money on weed and we can spend all this money on weed and we can spend all this money on doing these other things but like when it comes to spending money on um proposing to me that's not worth it i'm not worth it and so i bring that up to him again and i'm like and i feel stupid for bringing this up again and i feel like an asshole and i feel like i'm pressuring you And he was like, I actually did get a recommendation for a jeweler. And he's like, and I wanted to talk to you. There's like an issue with a ring style or the stone shape that I wanted. We're not going to talk about that here. But then we started talking and he's like, and I I brought up um, how it really annoyed me that he wanted to do things the same way that his brother did. His brother and his current wife bought a house before they got engaged. Um. And Alex had recently told me that that's kind of what he wanted to do too. And that really annoyed me because I'm like, but this is our life. This is our journey. This is our story. Why do you need to do it the way your brother did? 
And so I brought that up again. And he's like, yeah. And I don't know. He's like, I just, he's like, I struggle with big changes, with big steps. And this is a big change and a big step. Even though realistically, it's not a big change. Nothing is changing. We're still going to live together. We're still going to be in a relationship. Like really nothing is changing. Um, But like metaphorically, it is the next big step. Like that is the the next big step. And I like we when we talked about this, um, when we were reflecting, I was like, and you know, it's just I have such a hard time with this because this is the ultimate end goal that we have all been told our whole lives to get married and to have kids and buy a house. And I was like, and we're both over 30 and none of those things have happened. And it's like we've been together for seven years. And and so then I'm like, what is it about me? Why am I the problem? Why doesn't Alex want to do this with me? And he's like, no, 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 that's not the case. And so we talked about it. And and then I felt really bad. And I was like, well, the only reason that you got a jeweler recommendation is because I bugged you about it. And he was like, but no, I need to be bugged about it. He's like, yes, I am afraid to take a big step, but that doesn't mean that it's not time to and that I don't want to. Um, so I had to deal with my own feelings and my own little pity party of like, oh, I forced you to do this and that's why you're doing it. And it's not because you want to do it. And I want you to marry me because you want to, not because I want you to and all of that stuff. So, but like I do, and I told him this too, I was like, I feel a lot better knowing that you're actually thinking about this and you're actually maybe taking steps forward. And I was like, because I think that that's my worry is that I am investing all this time and energy and you're never going to want to marry me. And I don't want to waste my time with somebody who doesn't want to spend the rest of their life with me. And yes, while we don't need to get married to spend the rest of our lives together, I want to be. It's something I've wanted my whole life. And I'm still unpacking my own relationships to marriage and um to love and interrogating it because I am non-binary I don't identify as a woman and the institution of marriage is heteronormative at its core um and so it's hard for me that I like so badly want to be married but like I don't even identify as a woman and like necessarily agree with all of these gender traditions that come along with a wedding so I'm dealing with that too. But I did feel better knowing that he's thinking about it. Would you look at that? After we communicate, we both felt better. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just really interesting to me because, like, I'm like, we have such a good relationship and we have such good communication, but we we don't always. And I think that that's what's important about this and why I wanted to do um, an episode on this because it's not perfect. It's not pretty all the time. We still struggle. We still get in fights. We still yell at each other. We still make each other upset. But it's kind of the reflection and the bouncing back and what happens after that makes it healthy communication. Emotions are always going to be there. We are always going to hurt each other's feelings. That's just a fact of life. We're not perfect. And we can't expect each other to be perfect. And so it is just a good reminder for me and something that I want to share with you guys as my listeners. That like, while yes, to the outside, I can be like, oh, we have such a great relationship. We communicate so well and so much and so often. That ain't always the case. Communication is hard. It is a constant thing that you need to be working on and thinking about and practicing. It's not a, oh, I told you how I was feeling once. Everything is better. No, it's an every situation type of thing. Um, and that's the thing, too, is like communication is going to change depending on what situation you're in, what external factors are happening, the environment that you're in. Um, and so it is a, um, it's not concrete. It's not the same. It's, um, I can't think of the word. I'm like doing the hand motion. Um, fluid. Yeah, I guess fluid. It's not stagnant. It's fluid. It changes with time, um, and changes with, you know, other factors. Um, it's, I like to use this 
saying a lot for a lot of different things. We don't experience life in a vacuum and we never will. And so expecting what works in one situation or scenario to work in other situations or scenarios is not realistic. We don't experience life in a vacuum and we do have to take into account all of the other factors that could go into um, a situation and, and affect things in a certain way. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> 50 minutes later and I'm like, what the fuck did I talk about again, as always? Although it's been really cool with this new, you know, I'm not on board with AI and it scares me a lot um, just because I feel like it's going to grow a lot quicker than we're uh, ready to handle. Um, but the platform on which I do some of my recording now has this AI chapters thing after you record an episode. So it kind of breaks up the episode into segments and tells you what you talked about. Because before I would have to like listen to an entire episode to remember what I talked about. Um, so hopefully that'll help the, uh, the editing process a little bit for me, make it a little more streamlined. Um, but yeah, so I, whew. Don't know the next time I'll have an update on this healthy communication and what it looks like. Um, but I know it's going to come. So I hope you guys are doing well. I hope that you learned something from this or you got something out of it or there's something you, you want to try in your own life moving forward. Um, and if anybody has, you know, you want to share what communication in your relationship looks like or in a certain experience looks like, please let me know. Like, um, we can do an episode. You can send in a voice message. There's a lot of different ways that you could get involved and have your story heard as well. Um, but yeah, so for now, we'll call that the end of this episode. Keep trying to, oh, I need to do my, my gratitude check. Um, so my gratitude check Right now, I am grateful for overtime. Um, not grateful for the fact that I have to be working it, but I am grateful because my checks are going to be nice and big, um, and it's going to help me to pay down my bills a little bit. So I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to get a lot of overtime in right now. Um, so with that, keep trying to get through your Menti Bs and crying in your Shubbies, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye, friends.